Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk for what one of our tech subscribers called maybe the toughest question Buckeye Talk has put out there. If you listen to Thursday's Buckeye Talk, this is Friday's episode. If you listen to Thursday's Buckeye Talk, Doug and I, I'm Nathan Baird, he's Doug Maurice did an episode, a, a retalkables episode, about the 1998 Ohio State loss to Michigan State that upended a potential national championship season. And when I proposed doing that retalkables to Doug, I at the same time said, we should also ask our tech subscribers, because I thought that was a good candidate for this question, if you could go back in time and change one Ohio State loss into a win, no other qualifiers, just any any loss turned into a win, what would it be and why. And so that's how that this became the companion podcast to the one that was up on Thursday. And uh, apparently um, a texter from the 918, David from the 918, uh, said, uh, texted and said, you're breaking out my Recryables series, which I don't remember <laughs> him proposing, but that's actually kind of a great title for this, Doug. Yeah, Resatables, Remiserables. This is a, an interesting conversation around a program like Ohio State, because at Ohio State, there is no such thing as a normal loss. Right. So almost by definition, every loss wants to make you cry. There's not a lot of like, well, you know, and they're just better. I don't know. Like, we're still going to have a good year. Oh, well, like, I'll get on with my life. That's not how it works here. So almost by definition, like, we could go back and be like, name an Ohio State loss that didn't want to make you cry. And I don't know <laughs> what people would come up with now, other than throwing out the 2011 season, right? They go six and seven. Luke Fickle's the interim coach. Tyrell Pryor is gone. Mike Adams and Devere Posey and Dan Heron, all, all their best players are suspended. So we're kind of throwing that out like we do for a lot in Ohio State history. Otherwise, Nathan, yeah. If, if Ohio State lost, you probably did cry because Ohio State was probably really good. And they had a lot of things on the table, and the loss really hurt. So another texter from the 513, uh, the same one who said the thing about the being the toughest question Buckeye Talk has put out, said, I've, I've proposed a bracket of worst Buckeye losses in the past as a podcast. The losses connect Buckeye fans as much as the wins. Meeting a fellow fan for the first time, there's an instant bond through separate but shared experiences. And there's a piece of fandom that echoes... Um, the way coaches talk about these things sometimes. I think the fans appreciate the wins sometimes more than the coaches do. A lot of coaches. A lot of coaches will tell you, I don't re- you don't really remember the wins, but you never, ever, ever, ever forget losses, like the bad losses, the losses that kind of 
that define your program a little bit. And through this exercise, I you could definitely tell that fans certainly cherish the wins. There's they get to have the bragging rights and let that linger a little bit more than a coach does. But they also really, really, really feel the losses and certainly some those losses that might have changed the course of things uh, because there were several. I can't remember. I've got I've got it in later how many games were picked overall. I think like 22 games, something like that got votes and probably a third of them or more. Someone said, like, this loss will stick with me forever. I'll never forget this mm. loss. And it's very different from a place like Purdue, which is our touch point on the other side of things because you covered them, because the wins run together. So when I think about my personal experience with Ohio State, I've covered Ohio State for 18 seasons. We'll throw out the the 11 season. The other 17 seasons that I've covered Ohio State, going back to 2005, they average one and a half losses a year. They have 26 losses in 17 seasons. So the wins run together. At a place like Purdue, the losses run together. So at Purdue, their greatest shared experience is the win over Ohio State because that stands out because that's rare. At Ohio State, it's like, hey, remember that win over Maryland in 2008? Well, actually 18, they remember. 2015, and you're like, no. (laughs) Hey, remember that win over Indiana in 1996? And you're like, no. And you do that a lot. But the losses, when you lose one and a half games a year, and I'll give you this stat. I have great stats. You're going to cry. Everyone's going to cry. If you're listening to this podcast, prepare to cry. <laughs> the 26 losses that Ohio State has throwing out the 11 season. The other, the 26 losses since 2005. Nathan, do you want to know how many of those losses Ohio State was ranked outside of the top 10 going into the game before they lost? Oh, that's an amazing question. Out of 26 losses, I'm going to say outside the top 10? I'm going to say five. None. (laughs) That's unbelievable. None. So guess what? That's insane. When Ohio State loses, it's a good team, or it's at least perceived to be a good team in the moment, which might not be the exact same thing. Here's their ranking. And the 26 losses since 2005, they were number one four times. They were number two nine times. So half of the 26, they're in the top two. <laughs> they're number three four times. They're number four two times. They're never number five. Number six once, number seven twice, number eight twice, never number nine, number 10 twice. So a couple of those are in bowl games. You know, the, the Texas loss in the bowl game, the Clemson loss in 13 in the bowl game. That it's like, well, you know. But they're still a good team, and it doesn't always mean that they were favored to win. Sometimes they're number four and they're losing to number two. But the bottom line is they're always good. So every single one of those 26 times, I think you would say, well, you went into the game thinking they they at least had a decent chance to win because they're a top 10 team. So this, again, by definition is why when they lose, you cry. Yeah, I, I wasn't laughing at Ohio State there, by the way. I was just laughing at the absurdity of it. But then when you stop and think about it, it's either – I mean, they're, they're always a top-10 team going into a season. Yeah. And so their first loss, they would almost always be top-10. And then often they haven't lost at all before they encounter that first loss, which means they're also in the top-10. So it, it, in retrospect, actually, that would have been probably the best guess. would be zero. Uh, so this pod was made possible – by the time and testimonials of our Buckeye Talk subtext subscribers. We received hundreds of responses. I couldn't respond to them individually, but I did read each and every one. There was a lot of 
personal stories in there. I tried to pick those out for some of the ones that we're going to read as we go through this episode. Just again, real quick, if you're not a tech subscriber, uh, text to 614-350-3315. Click the link, $3.99 a month after a two-week free trial. Actually, maybe wait a couple of weeks to get maximum value. And we often tell you that. Uh, preseason coming up, Big Ten media days coming up in a couple of weeks. So that might be like the perfect time to get it because then you're getting some free intel before you decide to stick around. And if, if you don't want to stick around, you just text stop to us and you're done. So again, 614-350-3315. But this wasn't our usual poll. I had to, I had to read each one so I could find out who they were picking and then make a mark and then, or, you know, mm. like chart it and then go down each one. So it, it took a little bit, it took a little while, but I felt like I got to kind of live inside the Ohio State fan experience for a little bit. So we're going to start where we left off on Wednesday's pod, Thursday's pod, which is Michigan State. And if you missed it, like I mentioned before, please go back and listen. It's a little painful because of the subject matter, uh, Buckeye talk, but I think it was also a constructive <laughs> discussion. Uh, OSU is not 8-0, leads Michigan State 24-9 at home, Saban in the Spartans rally for 2024 win and, and ruined John Cooper's best chance at um, kind of a, a legacy-defining season. So that and one other Michigan State game received heavy support in the voting. In 2015, Ohio State was 10-0, ranked number two with number nine Michigan State coming to Ohio Stadium, and the Spartans won 17-14 on a 41-yard field goal as time expired, ended Ohio State's 23-game winning streak, in both cases flipping that single late-season loss to a win. All other things remaining equal puts Ohio State either in a BCS championship game or the, the college football playoff. So I'll tell you that these were the second and third highest vote-getters in this poll, in this exercise that we did. Doug, which one received more votes, 2015 or 1998? I'd say 98 because it stands out so much as like the thing in the Cooper era, especially in a world where they do go on and beat Michigan. They do go on and beat Texas A&M in their bowl game because those were Cooper's bugaboos. It wasn't this kind of loss. So I will say that even though, as we've talked about many times, the 15 loss to Michigan State potentially keeps Ohio State from being a mini dynasty. But I, I just think that Cooper, I just think that Cooper loss stands out to people. Well, you're wrong, but it was close. It was <laughs> only four votes separating these two. <laughs> the 2015 Michigan State got 15.1% of the vote. 1998 Michigan State got 13.4% of the vote. So again, only separated by four votes. We'll start with 2015. I wanted to kind of go into why people pick that because some of them even reference other games as they're deciding which ones to pick. Uh, here's one response. If Urban goes back-to-back -back titles and back-to-back -back Bama wins, big ifs, I think the whole decade changes in recruiting. Saban may not even be coaching. Dabo never would have been Dabo. And JT's legacy changes from what might have been JT Barrett. So like it, that's kind of the um, Buckeye fly effect uh, nature of this. And it, that people cited that a lot in their responses. Uh, Jordan from the 614. A back-to-back -back national championship is something I haven't been able to witness as a fan. And also you put into the talent of that team. It's just incredible. Uh, from the 513. I changed the outcome of 2015 MSU versus Ohio State. And whatever the hell went on that whole season, really. The Bucks win that game and they grab back-to-back -back national championships. Not sure that keeps us from ending up in the same place we did with Herb, but that team was loaded and should have won too. Uh, from the 409, I believe a back-to-back -back opportunity existed, and I believe with Urban at the helm, the recruiting would rival that of Georgia on both sides of the ball. Talking about Georgia now, back-to-back -back national champions. He always referred to recruiting as the lifeblood of the program, and his recruiting prowess with a back-to-back -back could have launched this program light years ahead of the Big Ten, crushing any hopes 
of Michigan building momentum under Harbaugh and seeing the program rival Bama for a chance at a dynasty run. So many people mentioned that the dynastic possibilities really from that 2013 to 15 window. And then a couple of really visceral reactions. Uh, uh, I was in the stands and it was freezing and raining sideways and losing on a last second field goal was brutal. Everything about that night was miserable. My wife was crying at the end of the game, not because of the loss so much, but it was just an awful weather environment. Have to come out of sitting through that with a win. And Andrew in the 3-3-0, of course we believe they could have won back-to-back championships, but for me it's more personal. It's the only OSU game I have been to. (laughs) The only OSU game I have been to. I went with my friends. We camped out and made it on game day. But when we lost, my friends felt I was cursed and have never invited or taken me to another game. You could say Urban Meyer lost me all my friends by not giving the tang ball to Zeke. That was one of my favorite responses from the hundreds of responses we received. And it's I'm crying. People were in all his friends. He lost all his friends. That's so sad. (laughs) And it's take your friend to a game. If you're listening to this and that's your friend, take your friend to this Youngstown State game this year. It'll be okay. Right. Right. Yeah. Take them to an absolute powder puff gimme game and break the curse and then move forward and have a friendship. But as, as the as a texter st- we started off with said, there's a through line here. And whether you were in the stands getting soaked that day or whether you were watching on TV or whether you missed you had to work and you're trying to follow on your phone or whatever, uh, uh, those games linger at, as to what might have been. And I think this is. This is the one that people look and see what Clemson did. They look and see what Alabama has done. They look and see what Georgia is doing right now. And I understand why they want to flip this result because it was the maybe the key to unlocking the Ohio State version of that that now has never may, will never happen. So I'll tell you why I have the 98 Michigan State loss ahead of this 15 Michigan State loss. And we have talked about the possibility of a mini Ohio State dynasty in 14 and 15 many times. However, in an exercise like this, what I am most interested in is if you flip the loss, how likely is it that then you have a national championship team? And just as another stat here, right, Ohio State claims eight national championships. Going back to the start of Woody in 1951, I figured by my count 17 games that if you change the result I think it's 16 losses and one tie Ohio State has a very good chance of winning a national title so think about that yeah they have eight they could have you change one result and none of <laughs> it's none of this it's not any where there's two in a season that's right it's it's 17 separate seasons where you change one result you're like yeah I think they win it now not guaranteed Six of those 17 are title games, basically. So it's 20, 07, and 06 in actual title games. And then there are three Rose Bowls that Woody Mm -hmm. lost in the 70s. That Well, it's the Earl lost in 79 when they're number one the whole year and they lose the Rose Bowl. And it's the back-to-back Archie years in 74 and 75 when they go in. And if they win the Rose Bowl, they're going to be national champs. They're de facto national title games. So it's six of the 17. So anyway, percolate on that for a bit. Hey, eight titles. Oh, well, let me show you the 17 that could have been. But I don't think if I don't want this to be back to back four hours of Buckeye Talks where people are just sobbing their eyes out through the entire podcast. Think about how in the mix you are. Think about how exciting that is. You matter. Since 1951, Ohio State's mattered in a way that I don't think anybody can replicate. And you can look at that and say, man, they should have more. But I think you can also look at it and say, man. How awesome is it to be right there and have games that matter so much? So here's my point. 
This 15 game, when you really look at it like this, the national championship in 2015 is number one Clemson versus number two Alabama. Now, as good as Ohio State is, they are stumbling their way through the quarterback stuff and Tom Herman is gone and it's Ed Warner and Tim Beck running the offense and they don't look good. They are number three in the playoff rankings going into that Michigan State game. They are not number one. So even if they win out, I think Michigan, I think Ohio State is the three seed going into the playoff. Mm -hmm. And I think that means Bama in a semifinal and Clemson's number one the whole year. So to win a national title, even though we've talked about dynasty possibilities, they've got to go through two monsters. They've got to go through Bama with Derrick Henry, wins the Heisman, like, hey, they figured out give Derrick Henry the ball, which they forgot to do in the game against Ohio State in 2014. And then you have Deshaun Watson. So Bama manages to beat Deshaun Watson in this national title game after the 2015 season, 45-40. And then next year they come back and rematch and Deshaun Watson and Clemson get revenge and win. And I don't know that I've talked, like, the shorthand for us on this podcast, Nathan, has been they blew a dynasty chance. There are good teams that year. And so I think, and I I think we'll get into 98 more. I think 98 is more of a direct path to win that game, they win it all. Because I think, as we talked about on that podcast, Tennessee beats Florida State. It's like, I don't know. But you have Deshaun Watson and Derrick Henry Bama still to go through. So the idea that they lose to Michigan State in this terrible way and they don't get their shot at that is very, very disheartening. But I I don't think it's a gear as much as we've sort of over the – I've said it myself, maybe implied over the years that would have been guaranteed back-to-back. It's not. It's really not. So I just factored that in a lot when I was ranking these losses. If you really think like, do you really think to yourself, flip it and it's a national title? I'm a little short there actually in 15, which is why, and and is it okay if I do this? I did my top 10 going back to 1951 to the start of Woody. I did the games that I covered. I did a top five and I do have this Michigan state loss in 2015 is second on my list of games that I have covered since 2005. I will say I have a very surprised number one that I'm eager to talk about. And then overall in my top 10, this might make people think that I'm crazy, but because of what I just outlined, I have this seventh. I have this seventh since 1951 in the the results that I would flip for Ohio State. And 98 ahead of that then. Because let's go into the people well, that agree with I'll you. I'll wait until we talk about 98. Right. Well, when we talk about 98, talk about I'll right give now. you my rankings there. We'll talk about it right now. So it was just a few votes behind. And people uh, considered both of them. But some people were did as you did and picked 98. Uh, from the 614, I still think that was the best OSU team I have ever seen. That and I was a senior at Ohio State and had already put a deposit on a hotel that I still feel like Nate Clements should pay me back from uh, Chad in the 612. The loss was made worse because I was a student and at this game that wrecked our championship dream. As a student without any real responsibilities, I would have had road trip to the championship game. Of course, if that happened, would we have made the move to Trestle? Changing history can have consequences. And there were a couple of people that brought that up, that you have to be careful which game you're picking because there can be Buckeye fly effects that seem positive in the moment and maybe don't turn out in the long run what in what was best for the program. I thought that was a kind of a, a sophisticated way to look at this. From the 614, my husband went to the game with a friend and I watched it with my parents. Because of the outcome, we have a rule now that neither of us goes to a game without the other. 
If Coop won a championship in 98, he likely doesn't get fired in 2000. That means no Trestle era. So there's a lot of potential fallout. But man, I love the 98 team and that loss broke my heart. Uh, from the 937, I was there with my grandpa and it was the first major upset that I can remember at the height of my childhood fandom. Um, someone I didn't get the, uh, oh, Jason and Aurora. Um, I have never been more devastated after a Buckeye defeat. My friends and I just sat in the stadium in disbelief long after the game was over. National title hopes crushed yet again, and this time it wasn't even to a quality opponent. Sorry, Nick, but it's true. Keep in mind, this was after Michigan won their share of the national title and had the Heisman winner, and it felt like the pendulum would never swing in our favor. The victory over Michigan a few weeks later, I proposed to my current wife at the tailgate before that game. So actually somebody with a positive thing to say about one of the, something here. Uh, and subsequent Rose Bowl victory helped salve the wound just a little bit, but playing for a national title that year would have been epic. Um, and from, this is our, our buddy, Seth Shaner. I was a sophomore working for student radio and we could have been a part of the first national title in 30 years that they won that game. Unlike the 2015 contest, which felt ugly from the start, losing the 98 game snuck up on everyone. My roommates actually left the stadium up 20 to three because of imbibing too much before the game. It wasn't until an Mm. hour after the game, when I got home toting the radio equipment in a milk crate that I had the displeasure of informing them that we had indeed lost. And I keep, I I wanted to keep bringing up those visceral ones because it's just, these things get just embedded in people's brains. The, 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 the minor details of these days in your life, when you have to, when you experience both a win or a loss of this magnitude really just gets branded onto your cerebral cortex or whatever. But Doug, where would 98 have ranked on those lists? Well, I guess only the 20, the second list, right? Cause you weren't covering the 98 game. Right. It's second. So that's how, that's how big of a deal. I think it is because, and and it is a fascinating Buckeye fly effect, but it's the assumption that then 98 is, if you're worried about it doesn't lead to the Trestle years, well then what if it means to like, what if it leads to the reinvigoration and the second half of a John Cooper career where he wins two more national titles? You know, that there's some of this stuff that, you know, Cooper, as we know, he was losing out on some Ohio kids, right? Charles Woodson, Desmond Howard, um, and Trestle, you know, turn that around. And you think about the Ohio people who were so important, Maurice Claret, you know, to the, to the 2002 national title team. And then what they built from that, right. He came in and, you know, Troy Smith from Ohio and AJ Hawks from Ohio, and Nick Mangold from Ohio, and Bobby Carpenter from Ohio. And, but I, I don't know, like, what if, what if, what if this creates a whole new coop? Like, I, I don't think that's impossible. If you view it as like, well, they won that national title, but otherwise he's still Coop. You know, like would they have would they have gone six and six and ninety nine if they have the mojo and the confidence of this? Because I don't know that you know it blows a hole in your in your how you feel about yourself when you're like, oh, like we yeah we beat Michigan and Texas A&M, but we still found a way to blow it. So it is a fascinating idea of if you don't get the trestle, but w- what if you get a new Coop? So I just think, and they're so good, and the path is so clear, right? I, I I think they would have won it. I think they would have beaten Tennessee in the national title game, which is what it probably would have been. And so that's what contributes to it as well. And then you see them go on and beat Michigan and win their bowl game, and it's like, I, I don't think anything would have stood in their way. So that's why I have this so high. And because, A, I think the path is clear. It's not direct. It's not losing a national championship game. But right. I think the the path is pretty clear, and I think it it is a thing that changes 
Ohio State football because Coop has a title. So I think I'm I'm particularly interested in things that would change Ohio State football, and then Buckeye Fleck would have maybe altered things going forward because you now built something different off this win instead of it being a loss. And again, for people who didn't listen, go back into Thursday's pod because we went to a really long discussion of this game. A lot of granular stuff about this game, but also about what it meant just for Cooper, for the program. Obviously, they do break the national championship drought in just a few years later under Jim Trestle. But I think you're right that that also, in a way, tells you like how close the program really was. It wasn't like John Cooper. It was a bunch of years of mediocrity. It was a lot of really good years that just couldn't quite get over the hump. And and we are playing with the space-time continuum a little bit unfairly here, saying, well, you get to change this one result, but nothing else changes. But I think that is that makes the most sense to do this. And if you do that, I think you're right. I think that Ohio State clearly would have been favored. I mean, they were favored by 27.5 points over that Michigan State team the day they yeah. lost that game, too. We're going to take a break here. We're going to come back because – We talked a lot about Michigan State in this first segment. We're going to talk a little bit about Michigan, but not actually that much because fans surprisingly didn't pick a lot of Michigan games for this segment. And we're going to reveal the top vote getter in the third segment. And I'll tell you, it was a landslide winner that didn't surprise me which one won, but it surprised me maybe how much this game won by. You're listening to Buckeye Talk. We asked our Buckeye Talk Tech subscribers, which one loss in Ohio State history they would flip into a win? Seven Michigan games received at least one vote. If you combine all of them together, what percentage of the vote do you think they got, Doug, those seven games? Just to remind you, the two Michigan State Um, games were 15% and 13%. Yeah, all combined, I'll say uh, 38% of the vote. 10%. 10.08%. No Michigan game ranked higher than seventh among the 20, however many games I said, that got voted for in this list. None of them got more than 2.94% of the vote. That was a close vote between that game that ranked seventh and the game that ranked eighth. Those are both Michigan losses. Which Michigan loss do you think ranked the highest? So I've got to evaluate Which ranked the highest on your list? Maybe that's a better way to ask it. Well... Well, this is if we're ready to do this a little bit here, because a Michigan loss is number one on my list. Interesting. Do you want to guess which Michigan <laughs> loss is number one on my list based on what you read and what you got from the tech subscribers? Because I think it's possible that like, you know, this is I think this might be the right answer. Not to make an opinion into black and white, which is actually what. <laughs> We do what I do here. Okay, talk. So I, th- I think my number one is a Michigan loss that actually is the right answer, and I can make a case for it. Do you want to try to guess? Well, I'll tell you. There were two that were very close for for our texters that ranked, uh, like I said, seventh and eighth on this list. Nineteen sixty nine Michigan game, when you know the super soft team that would have then won back to back national championships. That won with the 2.94% didn't win. I mean, it won among the Michigan games. And second was 1996, by one vote less, 2.5% of the vote. And that was, uh, you can expound on that game a little bit, but was either of those games the one that you picked? The Supersofts losing to Michigan in 1969 is my number one. It is the beginning of Bo. It's Bo Schembechler's first year. 
and Ohio State is the best team in the country, and they go to Ann Arbor, and there's legends about some guys getting sick, and they're sick on the train on the way there. And this is why I have it, number one, is because they still would have had to go to the Rose Bowl. I think number five, USC is waiting in the Rose Bowl. USC beats Michigan in the Rose Bowl, so it's not a thousand, 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 thousand percent slam dunk, especially when you go back through the history of like really good Woody teams losing in the Rose Bowl. But I think they probably do win it. They have what they claim as a national title in 1970, even though they also lost that game in the Rose Bowl in 1970. They claim a national championship as one of their eight in the year when they lost the Rose Bowl. So it's like, we're not here to have that fight because lots of schools claim lots of goofy things. But I even had trouble saying, like, I was like, hey, I think I might put the 1970 loss to Stanford in the Rose Bowl in here, except they claim a national championship from it. So what am I? So I (laughs) didn't put it in, but I kind of did. But 1969, it's the start of the 10-year war. I think you might delay, I don't know, the the legend of Bo, right? You might change the 10-year war that winds up being 5-4-1 in favor of Woody. Like, it's that close for the next 10 years, but it starts here. It's the beginning of everything for Bo. Just like the 98 Michigan State game is the beginning of everything for Nick Saban in a lot of ways. That these are our coaches. These are all-time legends Building their reputations, the start of their reputations, off a gigantic win over over Ohio State. And so delaying that, that there's a two-factor thing here. You hurt Michigan, and you don't – now we're we're Wolverine flying, affecting. Wolverine – what am I – that's a bad name. We wouldn't call it that. Michigan fly? (laughs) Wolf a fly? Wolf a fly. Maze a fly? We're maze of flying affecting the the history of the Michigan program if they don't get this win in Bo's first year. And by the way, but the most important part for Ohio State fans is Rex Kern and Jack Tatum and everybody that's part of that of the Super Softs are elevated, are elevated in the history of college football. They're already sure. known, but now they're all time, all time, all time, all time. So that's what really hurts. So that's why I, I think it is a very compelling case to be overall number one. And I didn't hesitate very much putting it on my list. I understand it's 1969. I understand why I didn't get more votes. But I, I think it's it's hard to vote against that thing, given how good they were, but even more. And again, I think the 15 team losing to Michigan State's a comparison. It cost you a chance at back-to-back national titles. But I think the road to it in 69 is much more direct because – you're not then going to have to get through Bama or Deshaun Watson, Clemson to win that title. And I think a couple of the people who voted for 69 specifically said, I'm not sure the 10 year war would have happened. Like you might've preemptively right. ended that war. You had just taken it right off the table. Um, well, Gary in the two one seven, it would have probably resulted in another national championship. Sorry. I am older. Uh, you don't have to apologize, Gary, although it does freak me out a little bit whenever you text us because my brother's named Gary and he lives in the 217. And uh, I always think, did he just switch allegiances overnight? Because he's a pretty big Illinois fan. Um, but I also think that this is this did skew more recent, partially because our audience is younger. And I think the farther you get away from the Bo Schembechler era, then I think maybe people didn't do that math in their head that by a equals B win this game and you either deplete what he ended up becoming at Michigan or you, and especially because there is another championship right there. So I think people also might've been leaning towards gaps 
where you you didn't repeat as champion although the, again the 20 the 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 2015 did get a lot of support for that very reason so um, but i think i think this is one where just the recency bias for lack of a, a better example probably cost 1969 some votes but it it was the top vote getter among all of the ohio state games was 1996 anywhere on your list it's third so again it's it's a michigan loss Michigan's number 21, Ohio State's number two. This is Orlando Pace. This is Sean Springs. This is Mike Vrabel. This is young Andy Katzenmoyer. This is like, this is everything. This is, and the, the one thing is, is they can run together a little bit, right? It's like, oh, you mean like, like a gigantic, a gigantic crushing coop loss to Michigan? Oh, well, where <laughs> do I start? Because you could vote for 95 when Ohio yep. State was number two and lost to Michigan. You could vote for 93 when they were number five and lost to Michigan. But like both of those, you can see paths to like, okay, I think there's a national title like possibility here if Ohio State wins those games. But I went with 96 because 96 winds up being a Florida-Florida State national championship rematch. And hmm. Florida wins, even though they'd lost to Florida State in the regular season. So Florida wins the national title. But like if you're undefeated Ohio State with all that talent – I think you go and take away Steve Spurrier's national title. You know, like I think I think the path is is pretty direct here. And when you think about the talent that Ohio State team had, and that Michigan team like was in the twenties, man. Like I don't know, like you know, that's part of it too. I think it's a little bit easier to flip a loss when you feel like the opponent is not great. It's like like you said when we were sort of talking about this, Nathan. It's like, hey, let's flip the twenty twenty national championship game. It's like okay, I like you can, but. Like that's a hard flip because it's, but this, you can see Michigan's yep. eight and four in 96. Michigan's not good. Michigan's in the twenties. Michigan's cup. Michigan's coming off two straight losses going into this game. It's at home for Ohio state and scores 13, nine. Like, what are you, like, what are we talking about? This is yep. like, the, it should have been flipped. So that I think increases like my, my inclination to to vote for a game when I really think that it's easy to imagine flipping it. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. From uh, some of the texters that uh, also voted 1996 as, as their number one game that they would flip. From the 410, Sean Springs slips. It was a great team that yep. truly could, should have been national champions. Further, I went with my brother and dad fully anticipating victory, and the walk out of the stadium was soul-crushing. The only noise coming from the Michigan fans. The loss really put a cap on the Cooper era of feeling so close, so often, but seemingly always coming up short. And from the 919, it was the second year in a row that Michigan knocked an Ohio State team out of contention for a national championship. Great seasons that were reduced to ashes because they couldn't beat their underdog rival. As a young guy, I was frustrated and raging. It was a stinging blow. Now with the 12-team playoff, I can take the long view that there is a possible consolation prize after such a stinging loss. So we've been having that debate, too, about, like, do you not want to lose that feeling sometimes in, in the expanded playoff era? Do you want the that visceral feeling because it makes the wins mean more? And this is one person who's saying, no, bring on the, bring on the path to redemption because it feels too bad to have a season blown up like that. There was one vote for 93 and one vote for 95, the Timbiak-Batuka game. But overall, just like, again, not a huge uh, uh, 
swell of support for Michigan games, which is a little bit surprising, but also, again, recency bias. Ohio State just went on a long winning streak against Michigan. There have been fewer Michigan losses in the last 20 years, and um, so that, I think that was also part of it. Um, a couple votes each, though. They got It was a tie, I think, between 21 and 22, with about, I don't know, 1.5% of our, our total votes, just a few votes each. But, but people did mention each of the last two losses. Let me give you a couple of examples. Uh, Aaron from the 513, I don't think that, this is voting for 2021, I don't think that loss has changed anything with Ohio State and what they are now, but I just can't stand that team finally pulled one out. Uh, someone voting for 2022, Alex from North Baltimore. I'd overturn the 2022 Michigan game. I understand that the Georgia game might have meant winning in the championship. I'd still rather beat Michigan. And um, another one here, I didn't uh, get the uh, sorry, I didn't get the name, but Doug has talked previously about how Michigan's recent losing streak to the Bucks seemed to at least partly due to how much the rivalry had gotten in their heads. I'm afraid that the same thing is now happening to the Bucks. If we had won last season, then the loss in 21 could be explained as a blip and everyone moves on. But instead, we have an uphill battle this season, both mentally and in the trenches. So it's that's kind of like a real-time Buckeye fly effect where people can, are saying, I feel what's happening in this rivalry. And we can talk about well, what would have happened in a, maybe a postseason game? Because you got to factor that into 2021, too. If they win that game, they go to a playoff. Um, but because they didn't, they don't go at all. Um, but they're really, they're not even talking about that. A lot of the responses we got were more about just not, the way this rivalry has now flipped back in Michigan's favor. Because I do think from a national title standpoint, the fact that Georgia is sitting there, I think, affects the view of that. Although during the 2021 season, all we were talking about was, hey, if anybody can beat Georgia, it's Ohio State. You got to throw on Georgia to win. And then we saw yep. that in 22. We probably should have seen it in 21. So the shot that Ohio State took in 2022, they probably should have taken that shot in 2021 with Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith, mm -hmm. and Jigba. In a world where it felt like the injury, the loss of their number one receiver in the 2022 game undercuts them. It's like, oh, what if he had those three guys like that? I don't think that's a, that's not a straight line to a national championship. But as we know, Michigan could not compete with Georgia in 21. We all think Ohio State would have competed better just based on the matchup. Would have had a shot, as 22 showed, would have had a shot in 21 if they got there. I'm almost surprised, Nathan, they didn't get more votes because there's a lot yep. here. And now, now, now I'm going to freak people out. The rise of Bo Schembechler starts in year one when he beats Ohio State in 1969. If this is the reinvention, the reinvigoration of Jim Harbaugh, and we look back 20 years from now, it's like, hey, man, that Ohio State win in 2021 was the beginning of everything, was the beginning of Jim Harbaugh, two-time college football national champion, right? Now I'm just making people, now they're vomiting. <laughs> they started off crying, yeah. now they're vomiting. So that is not my intention here. <laughs> uh, yeah. Buckeye puke effect. Like this is, we're not, that's not the intention here. But we have to see what history does. But I'm surprised given just recency, not even bias because they're good votes. I'm a little surprised they didn't get more votes, Nathan, because it's, it's the duality. You're preventing Michigan from doing something because 21 starts it, but 22 shows that it's not a blip. It might be a trend. Yep. So you have two opportunities there. To prevent them from to prevent Michigan from being what Michigan is now, Ohio State could have stopped it. We're not sure what Michigan's going to be, but I think they might be first in the Cleveland.com preseason Big Ten poll that's going to come out before Big Ten media days. Like 
if Ohio State wins either of his last two games, I don't think that's the case. And Ohio State fans feel better about Ohio State. Ohio State just beats Michigan. So I'm. were you surprised there weren't more votes for 21 and 22? I was surprised there were not more votes for just Michigan games in general because of the way people feel about that. I thought there would be more of a sentiment that I know maybe that one of these wins, and there are cases where these losses directly would have impacted a potential national championship opportunity. 2021 being an example. You could even say it about 2022, um, where they wouldn't have had to play Georgia maybe in, in the first game. But I, in general, I thought there might be more. And I thought, I think especially because, again, of the the way now they, that they've shifted positions within the conference in a lot of ways. I don't know that that's going to be true on paper when you break these teams down and analyze them, and we don't know what's going to happen on the field. But I think in the consciousness, the national consciousness, I think not just in our poll, I would imagine maybe in the first AP poll, Michigan will be higher than Ohio State. I think that that change has has happened. Um, that, that 21 loss especially. I thought the 21 loss would maybe get more support. Because 2022 didn't actually cost them anything except the second loss to Michigan. It's a 2021 loss that ends the winning streak, lets Michigan get its head up, puts Michigan in the playoff, blows C.J. Stroud's Heisman chance, and there was a fifth thing that I was thinking, oh, and it keeps Ohio State out of the playoff too. Um, and, yeah. and you don't even get to watch Ohio State's best players in their career with Ohio State. They, you know, Olave and Wilson and everybody heads off to the NFL and you play that great Rose Bowl game, but with a, a different collection of talent. So, yes, I was I was a little bit surprised that there wasn't more Michigan support. Was there any other Michigan on your list? No, it's like given everything we just said, I didn't have either of those Michigan losses in my top 10. Yep. Because there's so many others and my over those are the I have these Michigan, you know, 69 Michigan's my number one, 96 Michigan's my number three. I do not have another Michigan game in there, which also maybe feels wrong, but so, they play so many important games. They play so many important games that this list is really hard to do, but I think they're actually strong cases that maybe I should have had one of these last two Michigan games in my top 10. So there's some games that exist sort of in parallel to each other, and I was curious how the vote was going to break down for them. So two examples of that. 2006, Ohio State plays in the BCS National Championship game against Florida, loses 41-14. to Next year, Ohio State plays in the BCS National Championship game against another SEC team, LSU, loses 38-24. to A closer score, but there were some late Ohio State scores that closed that. Doug, which one do you think the fans voted that they wanted to flip more or more fans voted that they wanted to flip? This is hard because I think it's clearly 06, but 07 was closer on the scoreboard. So I think 41-14 seeps into your like, well, I don't know, except Ted Ginn Jr. doesn't get hurt. Let's have a no celebration rule. And maybe that does change that game. So I would definitively say 06, that 07 game, I think is I mean, it, it was a game. It's almost a little bit fake close, and they already kind of had – they backed in, and it didn't feel like – when they lose to LSU in 07, it doesn't feel like anything's ripped away from them because it felt like everything was ripped away from them with the Illinois loss. And then it's right. like, holy moly, it all felt – as someone who covered it, it felt more like a bonus, where 06 felt like destiny denied. They're number one. I just saw something from the AP the other day. Someone texted like, here are the teams – who were number one in the preseason AP poll and were number one all year and finished number one. And it's like four teams in the history of the AP poll. And Ohio State could have been fifth. 
06 Ohio State could be viewed that way. So I would say 06 for sure. And I'll also say that's what the texter said. Our texter said that by a, a wide, wide margin. So the 20, 2006 game, 13% of the vote. So almost right there with those two Michigan State losses for second and third, like just barely behind. They Much closer to being second on this list than fifth being in fourth place. And the 2007 game only received the uh, same as those the the last two Michigan losses, just a few votes, 1.68% of the vote. So again, uh, people, I, that was really the sentiment. What you just said encapsulated a lot of the sentiment that we got from the texters. That was that 2006, 2007 felt like, well, that team, why was that team playing for national championship anyway? Like that team, like you said, it was kind of a gift. 2006, though, a lot of like really visceral reactions from the 716. I'd bet 90% say OSU versus Florida. That win gives OSU a perfect season. They'll be the undefeated national champion with a hometown Heisman Trophy winner, Troy Smith, who beat number two Michigan and removes the OSU can't beat the SEC talk we dealt with for the next eight years. So again, and also incorporate some some Buckeye fly effect there. Um, another texter, that game is what really springboarded the SEC forward. The greatest Ohio State versus Michigan I've ever watched was that year, one versus two. But the way we lost to Florida in the natty just leaves a dark cloud over the rivalry game. Another one. That game hurt. It changed my fandom, maybe for the better, and it's never been the same for me. I love the Buckeyes and always will, but that game really took the edge off my intensity as a fan. Even though I'm probably better off now, I miss how I felt back then. Man, that is just a talk about an inflection point in someone's fandom. Uh, another one. That is the game that jumpstarted the SEC is better than the Big Ten conversation. Even if we still lost to LSU the next year, having a championship the previous year in your pocket makes a big difference in perception. Plus, it would have felt right for Troy to lead us to championship. And then as a side note, my wife is a Florida fan, so that would be one less bragging right for her. Uh, from the 650, I was there as a sophomore who had also been at the Fiesta Bowl the previous year, and I was not prepared for the depths of misery of getting blown out and hearing it's great to be a Florida Gator being sung everywhere. This would have been a championship I witnessed in person as a student, and you can't beat that. And uh, a couple last ones. Um, it gives Troy Smith a national championship, cements his legacy in a way that feels weird now because of how it finished. It makes that team the greatest team in Ohio State history. Uh, maybe. Wire to wire number one, beat the number two team three times, Texas, Michigan, Florida, gives Tress two titles, eliminates a lot of the existential crisis of the late 2000s, early 2010s, and at least slows the rise of the SEC. Um, from the 614, I was a student who attended all the home games, including one versus two, so I felt especially connected to that team. On top of that, I predicted Ted Ginn returning the opening kickoff and immediately afterwards was so sure we were about to destroy Florida and win the national championship. The letdown was so massive. Let's just say I still cannot drink Jack Daniels. Well, that's a shame. And a last one, Florida <laughs> National Championship game because I had two grand on it, OSU. So, um, oh. again, a lot of people with very personal connections to games. And now we're talking about a game that's almost 20 years ago, but you can still uh, – people both for – both for the emotion that they wanted to unleash that day that then had to get bottled up and was kind of ruined, but then also what it meant for the program. I think people see these things, feel these things from both angles. It was shocking. It was like preordained. Nobody thought Ohio State was going to lose that game. And I, I, the Texas are making some really good points about, I think it would be viewed as the greatest team in Ohio State history because it's wire to wire, because it beat, the number it would have been three wins over the number two team, like it vanquished everybody. And I mean, I guess right now the greatest team in Ohio State's history is sixty-eight, right? The Super Softs. But I, I think like this is a this is an older group, and again, it just it really 
we've talked about that a lot. The dividing line for the rise of the SEC is at, at the end of the Ohio State 1-2 game, the end of the regular season, the Big Ten's on top. And the SEC has not done this yet. And then this is the beginning. So if you delay that, now listen, Saban's still coming. And Urban's probably, well, <laughs> we're talking about building your reputation. Urban Meyer's reputation begins with this win. They launched Nick Saban. They launched Bo Schembechler. And the Buckeyes also launched Urban Meyer. Now listen, he won at Bowling Green. He did great stuff at Utah. Things you, people thought you could do at Utah. This is year two Urban Meyer. They have a loss in the regular season. If they just go and Ohio State wins 36 to 21, it's like, okay, well, good season, Urban. But whatever. This launches Urban and then gives rise to Urban establishes something at Florida. Saban rises up. Those showdowns in the SEC title game kind of start to create the SEC's reputation. And if you delay that, what does all that mean? But I do think it would have been the greatest team in Ohio State history. And I think Troy is like, if you're doing, we talk about like the Joe Burrow season, right? Joe Burrow, maybe the greatest season in college football history. He wins the Heisman. He goes on to be the number one pick, but he wins the national championship undefeated all the stats. If you start doing greatest single seasons in college football history, I think Troy with a title and an overwhelming Heisman win. The stats aren't Mm. through the roof because it's just not how it was back then. I think it might be one of the 10 greatest individual seasons in college football history. But instead, it's in and out burger. A great Buckeye ends with, did he eat too much in and out burger? That's that's sad, man. So <laughs> I, I had this ninth on my list, but I am absolutely affected by the fact it was 41-14, and it felt like it was over by the middle of the second quarter. Once they go for it in the middle of the second quarter and don't get it, it's like, well, that's it. So that absolutely affects me. But just thinking about just sort of take out how they lost or say that Ted Ginn Jr. stays healthy and that affects their whole offensive game plan, which is what everybody always said. It probably should be more like fifth, maybe even higher, because it took away what would have been an absolutely dominant historic season. And again, if you would have talked about what is the greatest individual team, it's like, okay, it's the best team in Ohio State history. Is it one of the 10 best teams in the history of college football? They beat number two three times from all over the country. They beat Michigan in their own backyard. They beat Texas and at Texas, and then they beat Florida. It's like, what are you talking about? That's like coast. That's like everybody, all comers, vanquished. That's what was lost there. I should have it higher. All the people who voted, I don't think any of them mentioned in and out Burger. But again, just again. Oh, they just know, a, though. A, yeah, and a loss that it continues to endure. Two other games that I thought I wanted to see the side-by-side vote, and they ended up being side-by-side in the vote. 2019 Clemson playoff semifinal. Ohio State is up 16 to nothing in Arizona, uh, miss, but missed some chances early. Should have been up by more. Loses 29-23. Fields gets intercepted on the final play when Olave breaks off the route. Little miscommunication. Uh, intercepted in the end zone. Uh, then next year, 2020, Alabama National Championship. It's not a close game. 52-24. Ohio State was hurt by COVID. That Bama team was loaded. Devonta Smith had 215 yards and three touchdowns. I think that was all in the first half or almost all of it in the first half, from what I remember, and coming off the Heisman. So of those two, which one did more of our texters pick as the one loss they would flip? I'll say the Clemson loss because the Clemson loss felt more winnable. I just, it doesn't, just didn't feel like, I mean, you really have to get into like, oh, it's a genie. Hey, like it, it's, 
It's Mac Jones and Najee Harris and Devontae Smith and Jalen. It's a genie, and we rub the bottle, and Ohio State wins. Whereas the Clemson thing, you saw it on the field. They were winning. They looked like the better team for whatever, seven-eighths of that game, right? So I'll guess the Clemson game. So these were the fifth and sixth highest vote-getters in this exercise. 2019 Clemson got 5.9% of the vote, basically rounding up. But 2020 Alabama got slightly more, 7.6% of the vote. And that surprised me too, because I actually think Clemson 2019 might be my winner. And now part of this is, again, we gave no... All time or games that you have covered? Well, certainly among the games I have covered. And all time is tough because I, I, be honest, I didn't research the entirety of Ohio State football for this, but... I certainly I think of the modern era. This might be the one I pick. But again, everyone has their own credential criteria for things like this. And it's hard for me to make it so easy because, like, again, the 2020 Alabama National Championship, I don't look at that as a game that they deserve to win. And it's, mm-hmm. so it's very easy to say, well, I can switch any game. How about the one that they had no chance of winning? I'll just make it a win. <laughs> and now we have a national championship. Like I that's maybe I don't know. Me personally, I found that a little bit too easy. But I think it goes a little bit deeper than that with 2019 Clemson because as we get farther away from that game, this showed up in some data that Tshu is putting out there. It showed up in some um some SP plus data that um ESPN's uh, uh that Bill Connolly was putting out. The historical data of how great that OSU team was is really holding up. Like when you look at what that team was on paper, it, where it sits within all the other teams from this most recent era, it still keeps hanging up there um, statistically or in terms of the predictive metrics. And I think a win here definitely doesn't guarantee a national championship because, as you said, Joe Burrow is waiting at the next round. But the more you think about it, like that LSU Ohio State game, you would have had the Joe Burrow storyline. You would have had you know, Heisman finalist Chase Young and that defense up against that loaded offense. You'd had first year head coach Ryan Day trying to answer the Urban Meyer comparisons. You would have had a a chance for Justin Fields' legacy to be even greater. Like that that game had a lot of like all timer potential. And the the Clemson game, you look at it as just a one of those weird things that happens. Like I I still look back at that and say, well, clearly Ohio State was the better of those two teams. I don't know that I think that Ohio State deserved to win the game, but it's easier for my brain to say that's the one that if you flip it and now you put Ohio State in the championship game, I don't want to give them a national championship, but at least you now get to go on the field and find out how great that team really was. Now it's a what might have been without ever even playing in the game. No way the Buckeyes are beating Coach O in a national title game. I'm just going to go all credit to the Buckeyes that agree season. They're not going to beat Coach, Coach O. Also, Coach O is available for the Northwestern job. And for anybody in Evanstown, Evanstown, Illinois, would want to call about Coach O taking over for uh, Pat Fitzpatrick. So I don't have this on my list because I don't think they beat LSU. So it would have been baller. Like, it would have been fun as heck to do it. It's like, oh, who you play? It's like, oh, the guy so, used to be. Like, the stories, like, like that week, the buildup would have been awesome. They're playing their their old teammate. Would have yep. been unbelievable. But I don't think they beat them. And I think some of the data, I'm not pushing back because we talk about, about that defense is great, right? That's a great mm-hmm. Ohio State defense. And Justin Fields is great. And J.K. Dobbins is great, right? 
but they had a really easy schedule, right? They just they, yes. they, this regular season that year. I think that this some of the raw data, whatever, is probably maybe they're helped by it. And I just think that LSU team is so good and so talented, and all the draft and the way those guys have performed in the NFL bears all that out. I don't have it as high because it's a little bit like to me, and we've done this on the Retalkables before, is the 2012 Ohio State loss in the final four in basketball to Kansas. And if they would have won, they would have gotten to play Anthony Davis in Kentucky. Mm. And I wanted to see that, but I don't think they were going to beat them. So I wanted to see Ohio State play LSU, but I don't think they would have beaten them. So I do factor that in and I don't have either of those games, the 19 Clemson loss or the 20 Bama game in my all-time top 10. One of the what ifs though, of that 2019 Clemson and then LSU situation is I mean, Joe Burrow looked invincible that season at times. Like you just, he was a video game and you couldn't take him out of his game. But Ryan Day had seen inside Joe Burrow's game previously in his career in a way that none of these coaches that Joe Burrow, defensive coordinators and everything were going against had ever done. And I, I th- there's a sliver of me that wondering, you know, I think it's just part of the what if, like would Ryan Day have been able to like impart something to his defensive staff that they could have gotten to Joe Burrow just a little bit more, disrupted him just a little bit more. Maybe it makes a difference in a game like that. But again, we'll never know because they didn't win the 2019 Clemson game. I want to throw a couple things out there. I just wanted some people who he voted threw for, for He threw for 463 yards and five touchdowns in the Clemson game. So like, But Dabo had never been his coach. Maybe, I'm just saying. Maybe, <laughs> I'm just saying. But, no, I, I, I'm, just, it's, I'm saying it's one of the what ifs. It's, it's on the list. Uh, some people who voted for 2019 Clemson. Best OSU team I've seen, and I'm 60. Would have loved to see them play Joey Burrow for the title. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Damn, that still hurts. Um, uh, another one. I don't know if we'd beat LSU in the Natty, but I think I'd feel similar to how I felt about losing to Georgia this last year. Win or lose, a phenomenal game we'd be proud of. And uh, another one for 2019. I've never felt worse about an Ohio State loss than this one. I'm usually good at shaking off Buckeye losses, but this one is going to stick with me forever. And like I said, that wasn't a lot of again for only 26 losses in however many years a lot of people have a sentiment like that about one of those losses and some people voted for 2020 Alabama from the 317 part of me wonders if OSU had beaten Bama in 2020 with the Ohio State dynasty being full swing right now like the Georgia one is from the 330 the Sugar Bowl versus Clemson was catharsis and if we had finished that season off by beating that Alabama team my goodness, would have washed away all the pain of 2019 ending, would have given Day a title in year two, would have given us another title over the measuring stick from the SEC. That's a theme that kept coming up here, was wins that now, that went, losses that are now used against Ohio State because they directly came against the SEC. And now nationally, there's that perception that the SEC has Ohio State at arm's length, like it's, it's little brother or whatever. Instead, they've had three different programs combined to win the last four titles, and we didn't really compete in our only appearance since the magical 2014 run. Um, that uh, Here's another one that may be unpopular, despite it being a championship, just for the fact that Bama was a better team. I don't have any sour feelings about that loss for that reason, but that was my junior year. Watching OSU beat Clemson with all my friends on Chit Avenue was a memory I'll never forget, and closing it with a natty would have been amazing. And one last one, after the Clemson win, I'd never felt better about where we were, and the loss to Bama was a reality check I wish we never got. And I understand that, too, that you had just that 2020 win over Clemson in the semifinals has to be one of the most satisfying Ohio State wins of ever, and certainly of the last, especially ones that didn't directly result in the national championship. And then to 
few days later, you know, 10 days later, or whatever, to have it come crashing down by the end of the first half. I get the sentiment there that just for that alone, maybe you would just want to keep, you want to capture that emotion and finish the year on that note. So let me now try to break people's brains a little bit. Let's go beyond flip a loss. Let's go trade a loss. So let me give you two mm. here because I wanted to say this about the 06 Florida game and I, and I forgot to. A little bit to me, it feels like Ohio State losing to Florida that way in 06. Ted Ginn Jr. gets hurt is a little bit of karmic payback for beating Miami in 02. Mm. And it's a school from Florida. It's like Ohio State has a miracle season in 02. And we know how the 02 national title game goes down. So let's say Terry Porter keeps the flag in his pocket in 02. And Ohio State falls just short. And then now you get to trade. Ted Ginn Jr. doesn't get hurt in the celebration on the opening kickoff in 06. And they instituted Ted game, Ted game game plan that blows Florida off the field. Would you trade the 02 title for the 06 title? So that, cause, cause there's a little like, it's the balance of the college football gods here. So let me ask you about the Clemson game more directly. 19, right? You feel like Ohio state's a better team. The stuff happens. Clemson wins, goes on and loses to LSU in the national title game. Ohio state's entire 2020 season is built on Clemson revenge. Is it not? That's a fair way to say that, right? What if Clemson's 2020 season in Trevor Lawrence's final year is entirely built on that kind of revenge? So would you say, give me the Ohio State win over Clemson in 19, where I think they still go lose to LSU, but then Clemson in 20 comes in and Clemson flips it then. And then Clemson goes on and plays Bama in the 20 semifinal. Like, which one would you rather have? If you only get one, would you trade either of the results if we're not just changing a loss, but we're trading a loss? Well, if you're if you're doing it with the knowledge you have now, today, yes, you would trade. But it's the, it's the let's make a deal paradox, right? Like, you know you already lost the 2020 game. So you would take the – you would give up the 2020 semifinal loss and you'd take the win in 2019 for a chance Listen, to play LSU. I, what happened against Bama in the 20 championship game, I think is what would have happened against LSU because that's what LSU did to Clemson. So let's assume, uh, like, I think maybe, to maybe, me, maybe. if you're like, well, you know what? I think that I just think you're, I don't know, man. Yes, Chase Young and Jeff Okuda, but LSU is an absolute, we know what the deal is with LSU. Right. So from a, just from like the loss itself, let's assume that LSU and Bama are the national champs in 19 and 20. Mm -hmm. Would you flip them? Or was it more fun to lose the first time and have the motivation and get the revenge? Or what Or what would it be like if, oh, Ohio State just I, won in 19, there was no Clemson comeback, but then Clemson got revenge? I don't know that there's a wrong answer because I totally understand why someone would say, and I might say this, I, I would take the better of the two Ohio State teams, which I believe is the 2019 team, by unquestionably, right? So I would, even if that LSU team is still great, I would still want to see what the better of those two Ohio State teams would do against that juggernaut. And they didn't get that opportunity. The 2020 team, we know what happened. And what happened was, I think, somewhat predictable, even if Ohio State had not had the COVID issues that it had going into the championship game. I think you would rather say, I want. I know that Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and everything else that that team had, all due respect to that, and maybe Ohio State still loses. But I want to see what Fields, Olave, Young, the whole Okuda, the whole rest of that group, Sean Wade not ejected. Um, I want to see what like that whole defense, that whole team, 
the running game that you can use to maybe help keep the ball away from LSU. Like, I want to see what that team could have done against LSU. I would totally, I don't think there's a wrong answer, but I, I think what you're presenting is a really interesting question. That would have, that would I, actually would have been, that could be maybe a future series, like trade, we can pull people per yeah. game, like, you know, trade, trade a loss for a win or trade a win for a loss. You have to give up something. Cause that's, cause right now, again, I gave people an easy one. Like, well, just pick one game to flip. You'd be like, well, this, this national championship game that we lost by 30 points, let's just make it a win. Like that's a little right. too easy. You should have to give up something. It should be like a, a parable or, or a O Henry story or whatever. Like you have to give something up. Yeah. Buckeye talk swap. You're trading wins for losses. You're trading like reswap. You're trading, landing this recruit that you didn't get, but giving up this recruit that you did get, right? I mean, like all these things, like, like it's, the, it's the next level of this. But I think you do make a very good point. I think the idea of, I would rather take the shot with the better version of Ohio State. I think it's a smart way to say that. And I think everybody would agree that 19 is the better team. So there's a monster waiting at the in the closet in 19 and 20, but take your shot with the better version of the Buckeyes. So I think 19, I think the way you presented that was very smart. Yeah, there's a monster either way, so I want the bigger gun when I walk through the door sort of thing. We're going to get to the number one game right after this break here on Buckeye Talk. So a total of 22 games received at least one vote. All but five of them were played from 1997 on. So like we said, a definite recency bias. But that's also somewhat a somewhat a, a matter of the construction of college football where before it was like a mythical championship or a subjective championship. And now it's, it's more objective. You, you decided on the field. Uh, some other games worth mentioning real quick, 1975 Rose bowl versus UCLA. Okay. I'm going to chime in as you run through these. Don't run yep. too fast because I want to comment when okay. I have it in my top 10. These are just games that's that not- got a smattering of votes, but that's number one OSU losing to number 11 UCLA in the Rose bowl when they would have won the national championship. That's my number five. Because that's Archie going out a national champ. Right. Archie Griffin should have a national championship. He has two Heismans, but in 74 and 75, they lost the Rose Bowl both years. And they should have won at least one of them. And either of them either of them are, are winning you're the national champs games. And this UCLA game, I think we've done – didn't we do this UCLA game on Retalkables? I think so, I think yeah. we did. Yeah. Like, it's devastating. So I think, like, the idea of – so when I said there were six direct games that are you win it and you're a national champion and three of them are Rose Bowls, this is one of them. And I think this is the this is the one you'd take. It's art – like, this is – this should be peak Ohio State. Like, Woody's still got it going. You have the greatest Buckeye of all time in the backfield. This is like Woody talent, you know, post-Super Softs. He's still got it going. And you go and lay eggs in the Rose Bowl. Like, it's it's heartbreaking. So I had this number five. I think this is like a really good one. It, it was the only one of the two Archie ones that got any votes. The 1979 Rose Bowl that you mentioned before against USC, number one, Ohio State loses to USC 17 to 16. I named these after the season that they – followed not the year yeah. that they were played that got a little confusing at times as i was doing this but i mean it's obviously another just massive one sitting there a number one team that uh comes one point shy of winning a national championship that's my number four earl bruce starts his career with the national championship it changes the trajectory of earl bruce i don't think we get nine and three earl like all the Jews, and you go from woody punched a guy to oh we went undefeated dash won the national championship the next season Ohio State is indestructible. A legend punched his way out of the job. 
and we hired this guy with the young QB, second-year Arch Schleister, and we won it all? I don't know, man. Like, that is a pivot point to me. So I I think that's huge. So this was number four overall on my list. And then just a couple other, you just mentioned it. The 78 Gator Bowl against Clemson oh. doesn't have the same uh, championship implications, but if they're not losing that game, maybe Woody doesn't punch a dude. <laughs> and who knows how Ohio State history unfolds from there. At least, even if he doesn't keep coaching for years and years and years, he doesn't have to go out with that at the as the end of his um, resume. So listen, this is not a conversation we want to have here. That was a terrible end to a legendary career. Avoiding the slow trickle of a legend not living up to what he once was, what Florida State went through with Bobby Bowden, what Penn State just on the field went through with Joe Paterno is avoiding that is not a terrible thing. Right. This is not the way you want to avoid it. You want a guy to be able to go out on his own terms, except like so many guys don't go out on their own terms. But the idea of, oh, I wish Woody would have stuck around. I don't know what the 80s look like as the game changes and Woody's Woody. And who knows what that is? I mean, Earl went nine and three. What if Woody was, you know, I, I, I don't know. So like the idea of, oh, I wish Woody stuck around. I don't know that Ohio State fans should actually wish that. He had a heck of a run, man. The idea that I wish he didn't go out like that, yes, 100%. But there was an overwhelming number one choice for the loss that more Ohio State fans want to flip, at least among our subscribers. It received 28.5% of the vote and had as many votes as the number two and three losses received combined. And it had almost 10 times as many votes as the top-ranked Michigan loss on this list. So... You've been following along, Doug, like based on context clues and the games we've named so far, do you know what was number one on the list? I think there's only one candidate, right? I hope I'm not completely missing something. This has to be the Georgia loss from last season, right? It is the 2022 Georgia playoff semifinal loss. 28.5% of the vote. Like I said, it, it, it was a landslide winner. The next highest game only getting 15.1%. And I'm not surprised that it won. And I, th- I think you can make a compelling case, as you can for a lot of games on this list. I'm surprised that it won by that much, though. And we've talked about the Georgia game from our perception and, and Ohio State losing that game by one point for a team to, a, to the t- team that then became the repeat national champion as sort of taking some of the edge off of the Michigan loss. Do you think we were wrong? Does this vote maybe suggest that we're wrong to think that, at least to the degree that we did? I'm... I get this as a recency vote. Again, not to say that opinions are facts. I think this is wrong. And I have this third among the games that I've covered personally, and I have it eighth overall on the list because the Michigan angst would still remain around this program. And I feel like the number one thing around this program right now is Michigan angst. I don't think there is can we compete on the national stage angst. And I did think playing well against Georgia, playing Georgia as well as anybody in the country plays Georgia, did relieve a little bit of the Michigan stuff. But when we think about what are we talking about for this Ohio State season, Nathan, we're talking about Ohio State-Michigan. We're not talking about, I don't know, I think Florida State's going to be pretty good. Can Ohio State defend Jordan Travis? Oh, I don't know. I think Steve Sarkeesian might get it going. Can the Ohio State DBs handle Xavier Worthy if they play Texas? Texas. 
Can they handle Caleb Williams if they play USC? That's not what we're talking Can they handle Georgia if they get Georgia again? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Michigan. Practically only Michigan. And that wouldn't change. It'd be the defending national champs aren't even favorites in their own conference in the preseason Cleveland.com poll. The defending national champs can't even win their rivalry game. I don't know. It's disappointing. You take every national championship you can get. And I didn't count this as one of the six that are direct, but it practically is. They would have smoked TCU just the way Georgia did. So it's they win a national championship. You're denying Ohio State a national championship. They only have nine. It'd be nine. It's not like they have 400. You'd take it. Right. But there's a bunch of others that you'd take too. So this just happened and I get it. But I actually don't think it changes the feelings around the program for a lot of the fans and the conversations that people are having this offseason. I don't think it drastically shifts this. Yes, you'd be wearing more merch. I don't know that anybody's wearing a <laughs> Ohio State almost beat Georgia t-shirt today. Do they sell those? Someone in like a third world country is wearing a 2022 Ohio State yeah. national championship gear. but so So I get that. You want to win titles, of course. You want to win the last title. You want to be walking. But I think people would be walking around. It would not be a free and clear national championship. It would not be a clean national championship. Hmm. We've had this discussion a million times. Yeah. Well, would you take it? Hey, Bama did it. They lost to Auburn in the year they won the national championship. Jalen Hurts put the trophy in his backpack. I get it, right? But we'd be dealing with that. And we'd be having a lot of debates of, are you uh, – they won the national championship and that's all I care about? Or are you a, there's a major butt with Michigan? Or are you, all I care about is they lost to Michigan? We'd be doing 300 podcasts about that. Yeah. So I don't think it solves everything. So of course it'd be nice, but I don't think it solves or changes the major discussion around Ohio State right now, even if they have a banner hanging. So a couple of things. This is one of the few games on this list where you're most directly trading one loss for two wins. You're turning that loss into a win, and then you're just assuming that they beat TCU. And a lot of people brought that up just as you did, that, well, Georgia smoked TCU. Ohio State would also have gone and smoked TCU. And the transitive properties don't always work, but I think if you were to poll people across the country, they they would vote the same way. Also, though, and the term... The phrase recency bias came up in a lot of these people's answers. It was a lot of answers of like, I know this is probably recency bias, or I know this seems like recency bias, or maybe this is recency bias. So people were admitting that up front. But it's also the one that if you change a, a result in 2006, you don't know how the ripple effects are beyond what it meant for that championship. If you change the result this year, I think you can talk yourself into their ripple effects not only do you get a championship, it changes some narratives. It more completely puts that Michigan loss behind you from that year. Wait, although I, you I would did, just be, you push back on that. I understand, but yeah. So so let me go through some of the answers here because they can explain it better than me trying to I guess synthesize it for them. Uh, easy for me. It's the Peach Bowl versus Georgia. This is not coming from recency bias. The Peach Bowl, in my opinion, is biggest what if loss in Ohio State history, at least modern Ohio State history, even more so than 2019 Fiesta Bowl against Clemson. The difference between Peach Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl is simple. In 2022, there was no LSU juggernaut waiting for them in the title game. True, I suppose. It was it was TCU, whom 
because they because they would have been beating Georgia, right? So it was TCU whom Georgia went on to put in the blender at SoFi. That was essentially a free national championship staring Ohio State right in the face if that kick goes in. That completely turns around the perception of the current program. Ryan Day gets his first national title, and the program regains all the momentum it had lost after losing to Michigan. Instead, the kick sailed left, and Ryan Day is now on a lot of fans' hot seat going this season. Several people mentioned hot seat. I really don't know that that seems to be more of a, a con- constructed thing out there in the national media more than it is a real thing that's happening as we speak. Um, another one, I thought about this pretty hard. It's just so difficult not to have recency bias in the moment. A national championship just seems so important, but with the benefit of five, 10, 15 years, you get to see that the program is fine. People still respect or talk trash on OSU the same. OSU is fine despite t- 2006, 07, 15, 19, 20. So with that said, I picked Georgia. I like CJ. I like Ryan Day. Winning that game on the same day Michigan gets upset undoes everything that happened over the last two years. Again, you disagree. Yes, I'm assuming a TCU win a little here, so it's kind of like cheating and choosing two wins. But with them, CJ instantly becomes a Buckmore ad. His Michigan Michigan losses are forgotten. Again, up for debate. Day becomes a top three coach, and Michigan people, has to shut are up. Are these people aware of the rivalry? The most I impactful win I can imagine. in fantasy land. They're living in a fantasy land if you think a national championship wipes the two Michigan losses. From my, I think I, I think that's I, I think they're lying to themselves in the text, man. From Mike and Indy, I know they still lost to Michigan that year, but we are crazy if we actually would rather take a victory against Michigan over a national championship. I think Ryan Day unlocked that mentality of how he needs to approach big games with that game against Georgia. And if that field goal goes through, we're beating TCU and no one can tell me otherwise. Imagine a world where Ryan Day gets a championship and comes into the next year knowing how he needs to attack Michigan. So someone's saying that there were all those positive things that we've said about the Georgia game, uh, some of the intangible things. Ohio State still gets to have all those, but then they also gets to have the championship. Um, from the two seven two seven positive, we win the Natty, and it takes all the sting out of two straight losses to Michigan. Again, like a, a prevalent sentiment here. Plus, I would get to gloat over my wife, who's a Michigan fan. That was Colin in Tampa. Uh, been in the seven five seven, the Michigan loss, which was supposed to be Ryan Day and CJ's vengeance game, ended up being a borderline tearjerker for a grown twenty eight year old man. Watching Donovan Edwards streak down the sideline in the fourth quarter is a feeling I don't want to feel anytime soon. The Georgia loss hurt in an entirely different way. That being a game that Ohio State was expected to maybe hang around in but the Buckeyes were the underdog without a doubt. The way the Buckeyes let a two-score lead in the second half slip through their fingers with the shanked field goal being the cherry on top really finished off an unfortunate ending, not to mention seeing the way TCU played a few weeks later in the national title game only salts the wound with the thoughts that the Buckeyes would have rolled the Horned Frogs in similar fashion. Uh, Bryce from the 937. I think the 2002 loss to Georgia will stick with me for a long time because I was in another country at the time watching the game through a bootleg website and the emotion you feel when Ruggles misses a field goal and when Marvin Harrison Jr. gets taken out and no targeting is called was like no other. A lot of people mentioned the field goal, but some other people did say, but I'm not, I'm not really blaming Ruggles. Like it, it's almost like the field goal wasn't kicked by someone. It was kicked by the team. It was a long field goal that was, was bad. So I, I've mentioned the field goal a few times. I want to make sure people know that this isn't just Ruggles bashing the people who are doing uh, from the 706, I was born in Georgia, but raised by an Ohio-born and Buckeye family. My greatest fear for years was to lose to Georgia, and now it's happened. I've never dealt with a more annoying offseason for my friends over a game that was already so close. Uh, and uh, OSU uh, from – actually, I don't know where this is from. OSU is due to win a natty, and the fact that we were a wide left kick away just six months ago really stings. And I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what they're saying, that – to be a whisper away, you were beating a team that now is another one of the programs that gets to say it has a mini dynasty 
when you're struggling to even break through and win that one championship, I, I get that. But I think I all, I agree with you that the win alone would, would have, it would have put things in a weird place. It wouldn't have just erased two losses to Michigan because Michigan, as you say, would probably still be the favorite coming into this year. People are going to be mad at how I think of this. I, I'm shocked by this. Now, listen, we have we definitely have a split in the fan base of who values the Michigan game more, who values national titles and the national things more. Right. The idea that beating Georgia, that the field goal's good, that Marv doesn't get hurt, that that wipes the Michigan losses, I just think is not true. So everybody would evaluate it differently. I think the the percent of people who would say it wipes the Michigan losses away and that you would not be thinking about Ohio State losing two straight to Michigan if they had a national championship, I think that is an infinitesimally small part of the fan base. I think that would be less than 10%. If you said, does the national championship wipe away the Michigan loss? I think it's less than 10%. And then the intangible, the idea of if they had that, now I think they got almost all the intangibles. They were right there. They got a bad break on Marv. Lathan Ransom fell down. They missed the field goal, right? Like they, we've detailed the million different ways. Nobody thinks they can't hang. So the confidence that should come with, we're as good as anybody. If we play our game, we can beat anybody. I think they learned almost all of those lessons. I'm not sure that from like a, a confident standpoint, yes, it'd be fun. But from an intangible confidence standpoint coming into this year, I'm not sure they would be in a much different place as national champs than they are right now, because I think they should be confident. They still be replacing CJ Stroud. They still be replacing their tackles. It wouldn't, yep. did they get a free, did they, did they win two free five-star tackles if they get a national championship? Like that's, but all of the stuff, like Ryan Day already said, we, we got to play against Michigan. Like we got to play against Georgia. He didn't say, I think we need to play against Michigan. Like we played against Georgia. Well, actually, I don't think that because we missed the field goal. Like they got all that. So I think, A, it doesn't wipe the losses, and B, they gain the confidence so you have a trophy. And I'm not diminishing trophies, and I'm not diminishing the merch, and I'm not diminishing the banners, I'm not diminishing the rings, and I'm not diminishing people's places in Ohio State history. But we're talking about, I said there's 17 games since 1951 that I could point to and say, win that, you win a national championship. This is certainly one of them. I have it in my top 10. It's the most recent. But I think there's a lot of things around it that actually would not change from where we are compared to the things that we're outlining where 2006 Ohio State, they beat Florida. They're an all-time team. 1969, you beat Michigan. You maybe prevent the 10-year war, right? All the, the Michigan State losses, Coop gets a title he never got, right? So I don't, I don't know, Nathan. I, I guess I'm not surprised and I'm not admonishing people. The thing I'm really, 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 and you can we can send out a, a survey on this. I'm really asking people to reconsider how much different, A, you think you and the fan base would feel about this coming season, about the status of the program, if they were national champs, and B, how much different you think the team itself would feel about themselves coming into this season. Because a lot of what we're talking about is what did the win, if you change the loss to the win, what does that do going forward? And I'm saying, I don't know that much is different. And as I said, when I teased to this, I'm not surprised that people voted for this, maybe especially because of some recency bias. I was just surprised that it was such an overwhelming 
winner. Again, I'll run down the vote here. Uh, 2022 Georgia playoff semifinal, 28.6% of the vote. I'll round up on these. 2015 Michigan State regular season game, 15.1%. 98 Michigan State regular season game, 13.4%. 2006 Florida National Championship game, 13%. 2020 Alabama championship national championship, 7.6%. 2019 Clemson, 5.9%. That was a playoff semifinal. And those are the only ones that had more than 3%. So those were the top uh, six vote getters. And then you have the 69 Michigan game and the 96 Michigan game right after that. Anything that we didn't bring up that made your lists in a, a prominent way? Yeah, my number one. But let me give you my number 10 first. So eight of the 10 on my list we have mentioned. We kind of mentioned this one. My number 10 is 2013 Michigan State in the Big Ten Championship mm-hmm. game. They're better. They should have won. I thought there was no way that Michigan State was going to beat them in that game. If Ohio State wins, they go on and play Florida State in the national title game. It's not guaranteed. I'd take my shot, right? I don't. I think it's a very possible national title. I mean, listen, it's Jameis Winston. Florida State's good. And that Ohio State 2013 team was not a perfect team, right? They're a little bit, you know, they're patching it together a little bit. But Braxton is so skilled and Carlos Hyde's skilled and their line, the offensive line's really good. You know, you think about the receivers they were playing then compared to the receiver. You know, like Philly Brown's their best receiver. I don't even like Philly Brown now. I don't even know if he gets on the field. So I have that tenth. I guess we talked about that a little bit. It gets it gets coupled in with the 2015 Michigan State loss, but the 15 Michigan State loss is more devastating. But I did have the 13 Michigan State loss tenth on my list. I I said I had my number one. I, I misspoke. It's it's my number one that I have witnessed. It's number six. On my overall list, because my list is 69 Michigan, 98 Michigan State, 96 Michigan, 79 Rose Bowl, and 75 Rose Bowl are my top five. And here is my underrated, possibly mentioned by not a single texter. You can tell me if one person said this. It's number one on what I have witnessed. And it came when Ohio State was ranked number one in the country. And it denied them, I think. In the end, I think it denied them a chance, a spot in the national title game, I think pretty assuredly. And I think it potentially changes the course of Ohio State history. It And at the very least changes our perception. And it is the 2010 loss at Wisconsin. It is the only loss of the 2010 season for Ohio State. Ohio State goes on and beats Arkansas in the Sugar Bowl. At the end of this season, this is right before everything falls apart. And the national title game this year is Auburn versus Oregon. It's Cam Newton. And I think what we got denied is Terrell Pryor versus Cam Newton. Mm. Give me that. Now, are they beating Auburn? I don't know. Have you watched Cam Newton play college football? Holy guacamole. But you ever look at the rest of that Auburn team? That's a, that is a, if we're doing like all time one man teams, my goodness, this is, this is uh Gene Chizik, like begging, like, thank you, Cam. Gene Chizik has a national championship. <laughs> I think they could have done it. And they go to Wisconsin as the number one team in the country. And Wisconsin returns the opening kickoff and the stadium practically shakes to the ground and Ohio State loses, but they don't lose again. And they're good, man. This is a good team. So can I ask, did anybody mention this game? Doug, you will be heartened to know that our good friend Joseph in Atlanta, this was his, the one person who voted for this. 
from so that's Joseph. my guy. That Ohio State team was that's number one guy, and Joseph. would have made the title game over either Auburn or Oregon. And given how mediocre the title game was, I think OSU could have handled either of them. That was Joseph's explanation. So one texter out of over a couple hundred agreed with you that that was the biggest, they were the biggest one. But that's their biggest one ever. You're just saying since you've been covering the team, but that's actually a pretty expansive amount of time now. It is. So again, it's my number six overall. It's, it's my number one. For what I covered, I have this number one. I have Michigan State 2015 number two. I have the Georgia game last year number three. I have the 06 Florida national title game number four. And I have Michigan 2013 number five. But I think this, so then it might just be setting everybody up for more misery because then when things fall apart, because things actually, actually this might be, now I got to think about this because this actually might be wrong. Because what you would be setting up here is for a tattoo gate to explode right before the national title game hmm. instead of exploding before the Sugar Bowl, where it's decided that Jarrell Pryor and these guys are going to be suspended, but they're going to let them play in the Sugar Bowl, right? And that was well, controversial. So what we're setting up is number one Ohio State, right? At, it's at Christmas as we're getting ready for national title time, has this. And it actually might be more devastating. So I'm potentially just setting everybody up for the greatest heartbreak in Ohio State history because I don't you're not stopping this from coming out. This actually might be wrong. I might be wrong here with the context of this because of that reason. Well, you also even if they had gone on and beaten Wisconsin and then gone on and won a national championship, they're vacating all those wins eventually. Now you're right? vacating a win. You're vacating so a national championship, I'm, and that's a different kind of a black mark for your program, really. I mean, yeah. that team had to vacate a lot of wins that year, but they didn't vacate a national championship. That's That smells different to people. It does. It really does. And am I uh, am I creating a world where it's like, well, you know what? Maybe if they're about to win the national championship, Ohio State covers it up better. <laughs> hey, uh, you know, they're like, hey, man, let's have a news guy. Have a news conference. It's just Ark. It's just Arkansas in the Sugar Bowl. No one's. Let's have a news conference. They would have been like, we. It's like the uh, oh, uh, our email system exploded. We have no emails. Uh, we have no records of any time. <laughs> I, I I don't know who we don't. They would be, they'd be like remove everybody on the team would be like in tattoo removal parlors, being like get your tattoo. <laughs> it's just been like so. I I actually on the field. On the field, I'll stand by this, right? Because I think that team was good enough. You create a situation where it's like the end of the Trestle era now has a peak, just like the beginning did, you know, with that kind of thing. Um, and it was a devastating loss when it happened. But actually, the idea of setting up a world where your Ohio State just has to vacate a national championship or, listen, they let them play in the Sugar Bowl. They've been like, well, we're going to go play – Cam Newton in the national championship game with uh, Joe Bozerman, the, the Cam Newton, Joe Bozerman showdown because Terrell Pryor is suspended. So I actually probably am out over my skis too much on this. So maybe that's why everybody else is like, Doug, what are you, that is a ridiculous point because everybody else who didn't vote for this had already thought through this entire scenario, which is they don't want to, they would not want to have wanted to live through this. Maybe, but I also think there's another thing that comes into play sometimes with these games. It's a fine line between whether you think a national championship team that lost one of these games would then have gone on and won one, or whether 
your opinion of that team is corrupted by the fact that they lost the game? Does that then make you think, well, maybe that team actually wasn't national championship caliber? And I can't go into people's heads and think about it. But I also think more likely, and maybe this wasn't even conscious, but more likely people have wiped the potential of that 2020, that 2020 team out of their head completely just because of the fact, like we said, even if they had won every game by a hundred points, they would have to vacate the entire season um, by what we know now. So that may have been a, a factor too, where people just looked right past 2010. So at the beginning, I said I had like 17 games where you change this, they have a good chance of the national title. The eight that are while I've been here, Georgia, Semifinal last year, the Bama National Championship game, of course. I, I honestly, I did not have the Clemson semifinal in 19 as one of them because I just think they're not beating LSU. So, like, I, if you think otherwise, then you can add more to the list. But I'm telling you, I think I've had eight examples in 17 seasons, and that's not one of them. Uh, Michigan State in 15, Michigan State in 13, this Wisconsin game in 10, and the LSU National Championship in 07, the Florida National Championship in 06, and the game we haven't talked about, the Texas game in 05, mm. that if you beat Vince Young there, you you prevent the Texas-USC showdown of the century. Now, they go on and lose to Penn State later on that season, and Penn State winds up three in the final poll, and Ohio State's four. This actually, so if they beat Texas, you actually might be setting up a USC Penn State national title game. But it's a little bit of like, well, if they beat Texas, maybe they don't dork around and lose to Penn State. But like, I, I wanted to throw that in there because it, it it's it doesn't a hundred percent fit. But they had the national champs on the ropes at home and like didn't get it done right. You yeah, know, five. I, so I wanted to at least throw it out there. I think any game where you're playing with the spotlight of all of college football on you whether that's regular season or not, is under consideration. It's why a game like 2017 Iowa or 2018 Purdue doesn't hit the same way, even though there maybe are more direct ramifications from games like that sometimes, because it, it's one of those things where like people might have been flipping over at the end to find out what's going on, but like you weren't the center of college football for the entire week the way that Ohio State-Texas was in 20, 2005. And then – Everything else we basically talked about, the one that I had mentioned that uh, is actually not a loss is a tie is in 1973 and Michigan's number four, Ohio State's number one. They tie 10-10 and Ohio State still goes to the Rose Bowl and beats USC and finishes 10-0-1, but they're number one going into the last week of the regular season. Notre Dame winds up winning the national championship with an undefeated record that year, but if Ohio State's I mean, they were number one, and if they win, and instead of being 10-0-1, they're 11-0, I mean, they're the national champs, yeah. right? So that's not change a loss, that's change a tie. But I wanted to, to throw that in there as well. It's just, a again, I mean, it's remarkable how many times they've been close. Yeah, I think change a result. I think and one of the fun ones that a couple of people brought this up, I didn't include this in the examples, but a couple of people voted for 2020 Michigan, a game that was never even played. but like. How different would we be talking about that if Ohio State had one more win over Michigan in 2020? You also don't know what ramifications that had for how that season was unfolding, too. That Ohio State was geared up for that game and then can't play it. Now they come out a little flat against Northwestern. And obviously, there were COVID things happening there. But that was another game that I thought people uh, – that was a fun one to bring up. Like, you're still – you're not changing a result there. You're sort of changing a a, a concept almost. But uh, – 
people were confident that that was a game that Ohio State would have won and, and you'd be talking about the series maybe a little bit differently. Well, that's going to wrap this up. I thought that was a great discussion. Thanks again to everybody who wrote in. Some of you wrote as I read, and there were some other ones I couldn't read that just had a lot of great personal um, you know, anecdotes and experiences. And you know, that's why we kind of do what we do. It's, it's because we know that these wins and losses connect with everybody in this way. And it was nice for me to just kind of be able to walk back through Ohio State history, even if it was a painful piece of history, and feel that from everybody because it it reminds you of of kind of why we're doing this. Anything we want to tell them about what's coming up on the podcast, Doug? I think we're going to have a Monday Madness. Yeah, Monday Madness. And uh, I am scheduled to talk to Phil Steele next week. Great. So he's making the rounds. And we'll get him talking about his preview magazine and what he thinks of Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State and everybody else. And the other, only other thing is on the College Football Survivor Show, uh, Shahan J. Haraja and I are going through the conferences and doing playoff previews. And we have dropped the Big Ten preview. So we did the Big 12, then the SEC, then the ACC. And the one late this week is the Big Ten. We still have the Pac-12 to go. And I just reminding people, like, the top of the Big Ten is legit. So this is contextual, like feel good. It's going to be, it's going to be tough. This is not going to be easy for Ohio state this season. But if you, if you care about like, Hey, I kind of want my team to be in a conference that people don't make fun of and stuff like Michigan and Penn state, I think are just both very, very viable playoff contenders this year. And so I think it should make for a fun season. So go listen to that on the college football survivor show. A lot of talk uh, by a lot of people who know, what they're talking about, about how tough tough the top of the Big Ten is this year. To the point, a couple of weeks ago on this podcast, Tishu saying he thinks it's more likely Ohio State might go 10-2 and than 12-0. and And it's not that he's predicting to go 10-2. and He's just saying it's going to be a tough road this year, and there are some questions to answer. So uh, it's kind of building towards a fascinating season. With that, I'm Nathan Baird. For Doug LaMaurice was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.